All right, so for all of you who might not know, okay, why is Cass speaking tonight? Um, so I've been in ministry since I was nine years old. I'm 36 now. It's been a long time. Uh, I've, I, I was what would people call a, a pew baby. Like, you know, I grew up in the church. And like, you know, my mom, was, I, my mom was pregnant with me, church, all that. And for the past six years, I've been pastoring um, a church in Lancaster called True Vision Christian Community. Now we're about to transition to a different name, all this other stuff. There's been a lot of changes happening. And, you know, I'm the type of person that I really try to blend in really well. But the reality is God has a way of revealing the fullness of who you are. And tonight, I want to go deep. Can we go deep tonight? Yes, like, like, you know, not, not, not like a little bit. Like, we're going to go deep. Um, when I spoke in October, I talked about the pull of Bethesda. Y'all remember that? Y'all over here? I talked about, you know, really broke down. Like, this man had been laying out there for 38 years. So he was at least, what, 51 years old? Because age of 13 was the age of majority. And, you know, like, Jesus literally looked at this man and was like, hey, do you want to be Bay Hall? The man's like, yeah, just take your mat and walk. And he got up. And I said uh, when I did that message that I really believe that this year is a year about healing. That this year, that a lot of things that have been happening in October have been about healing of the heart, healing of the mind, healing of the spirit, even healing of the body. Now we're going to dig a little bit deeper. I want you to go to Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. You're going to see why, by the time we're done with this, you're going to see why you're like, that's why he said we're going to need this later. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. So the story that we're about to read appears in all four of the Gospels. Now, if you have, like, you know, you've read the Bible, all this other stuff, the four Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels because it is pretty much the narrative of Jesus Christ in four different perspectives. And it's very rare for a single story to, to appear in all four. So you're like, okay, where is it, Cass? You said it's all four. So Matthew 26, 36 through 46, Mark 14, 32 through 42, Luke 22, 39 through 46, and John 18, 1 and 2. Still trying to figure out why John made it so short because he was always like, I'm God's favorite. Figure had, had a longer story than that. Let's go ahead and read the Matthew scripture. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. 
yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, so you couldn't stay awake with me one hour. Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed. My father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping or resting? See, the time is near. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. See, my betrayer is near. So the title of whatever this becomes is called, Is This Your Gethsemane? Is This Your Gethsemane? Let's pray. God, we thank you once again for, for, being, for the ability to be gathered together with God. I pray that the teacher, the administrator side, goes away for a second, and that you let what you've called me to be come forth. Lord God, lead and guide my words, lead and guide everything that happens. Lord God, we, we, we tune into your frequency. We know that you're omnipresent. You're even all up and through this campus. Now, God, I just pray that as you release me to speak what you told me to speak, Lord God, I pray that people, those who have an ear, that they are able to hear not just what is said, in the moment with what you're speaking to their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Gethsemane. Let me, uh, before I do that, let me give you some context of where we are in the Bible. So pretty much, we're, we've, we've just had the triumphant entry. Like, you know, when Jesus was rode in on the donkey and everybody's like, Hosanna! Like, so waving the branches and everything. And then um, Jesus like, go go to such a man and say, hey, my master wants to dine in your house. And then, so this is where we get to the story of communion. So before they have communion, what does Jesus, Jesus say? What does he say to the disciples? You remember? He said, one of y'all about to betray me. And all the disciples are like, is it me, Jesus? Is it I, Lord? The one that dips his hand in the, in the bowl with me, dips a hand... Let's get some bread. Whoever gonna dip their hand in the bread is gonna be the one that betrays me. And the one that betrayed him was Judas. Here's the thing: Judas was the finance guy. Like Judas, if you there's a story earlier where he's like, you know, all this money could be done for this and this and this, and Jesus pretty much paraphrasing is like, you care more about that than than this. So Judas went to the chief priest in the Sanhedrin, pretty much saying, hey. I can get you Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. All right, back. So back to the, to the, um, to the, the Last Supper, dips his hand in, in, the, in the cup, in the bowl with Jesus. He says, and pretty much tells him, okay, Judas, go do what you got to do. So they have communion. You know, the bread, they take, eat the bread, this is my body. Drink of it, all of you. This is the blood for the remission of sins. Then they go off to the Mount of Olives. When I was growing up, they always sang some type of blood hymn. I know it was the blood. What can wash? Like, we would like, spend 15 minutes doing like, this whole medley. Anyway, I digress. So before this happens, he's talking to Peter. He's like, look, Peter, listen. You, you're going you, to deny me. 
Now Peter, everybody thinks of Peter like St. Peter, like, oh. Peter was that one friend that, you know, if you say fight, they're gonna fight. Everybody got a friend like that? Or like a family member like that? Look, I got somebody, I tell people like half of us are near the cross and the other half are way far from it. So, so Peter was that one friend that you know that let something pop off, he's gonna act up, right? And Peter, so Peter's like, no, nah, Jesus, I ain't going to, like, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And then he's like, okay, you, James, and John, come on, we're going to go up to the, to, to the Mount of Olives to, go, go, to um, Gethsemane because I need to pray. Gethsemane means olive press. They're literally in, the, in a... In a Olive orchard, whatever you call it. They're literally in this space. And the whole point of it is this is Jesus' hideout spot. Like for some people, I remember growing up, they used to call it the prayer closet. Like, like some people literally had a closet where they would go in and pray. That's the, that's the old folk. But he, so he went to his, to his special spot, his secret place. And he had, and he, he said, okay, y'all stay here. I'm going to go up here. Y'all just, y'all just guard my back. And he's He's literally at this place where he's alone speaking to his father. And if you really pay attention to how this is said, he is literally pleading and arguing with God because he knows what's coming next. Spoiler alert, cross, death, he got it. But Jesus has been with these men for the past three and a half years. They, and it wasn't like, okay, y'all go to y'all houses. No, they have traveled together. They have done life together. They've seen Jesus. They, they've seen the bare head of Jesus Christ. They, like, they, they, they have tight relationship. If Jesus has a heart for the people that he's ministered to. You have to understand that Jesus didn't just heal people and help people because he had to. He did it because he had compassion. So he has devoted the last three and a half years of his life to the people, the people that he's fallen, in, that he's gotten connected with, that he's fallen, in, that he's fallen in deep relationship with, now knowing that he's about to die. So he's out the garden. He's begging and pleading. I don't want to do this. Why are you making me do this? I don't want, like you know, Dad. I really don't want to do this. But. His death, his suffering, was, had to happen so that the fullness of God's plan could be fulfilled. Go to 2 Timothy real quick with me. Second Timothy, first chapter, verses 3 through 7. 2 Timothy, first chapter, verses 3 through 7. And I'm like, okay, what verse are you reading from? I'm reading from the Christian standard. Second Timothy 1, 3 through 7. Scripture says this, I thank God for whom, whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. 
remembering your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is also in you. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Let's look at verse 4. I'm a context guy. That's why we're out of it. But I want you to really pay attention to verse 4. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Remembering your tears. For oil to, so you can't just like walk up to an olive and go, give me the oil. There's a process. Oil and wine have to go through the same process. What do you have to do to get the juice out of a grape? Squeeze it, grind it, crush it. You have to do the same thing with an olive. For oil to flow, the olive must be crushed. I'll put that somewhere in your room. For the oil to flow, the olive has to be crushed. Because the oil is on the inside. You have to understand that the end goal of this whole process, all of Jesus' life, was so that God could get the glory. I'll say it again. The whole point of Jesus' life was so that way God, his Father, could be glorified. Salvation, resurrection, all that came with it but ultimately was so that God could be glorified on the earth once again. So at times in your life, you are going to have to go through things. You're going to have to deal with situations, have to deal with people. I mean, like you, some of y'all been in this space one, two, maybe three years. And during your time in this space, you've already had to face a lot of opposition, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of identity crises, you've been having to fight with a lot of things. But, you ha but those things happen to mature you, to help you grow. I don't like being uncomfortable. I don't like suffering. I don't like going through stuff. I don't like having to sit here crying, trying to figure out A, B, C, and D. Why am I going through this? Why am I going through that? But these things are maturing you so that way what is in, what, what is in you, what has been innate in you, can come forth. 2020, the first message I ever preached in 2020, um, it, it was called Something's Happening. And pretty much the whole bulk of the message was pretty much suffering is necessary for your advancement. Suffering is necessary for your, for your advancement. The Bible says for our, for our record that the sufferings of this present time should not be compared to the glory of God that is revealed in us. So in this, Paul is encouraging Timothy. What's inside of you has to come forth. And it's not what it, it can't come from a place of comfort. It can't come from, from being in your usual surroundings. 
Who I was when I was 18 years old and I started out at Ohio Northern is, I thank God, is not the person I became when I, I was when I left. Because I had to experience some things for myself. I had to see some things for myself. There were some things that I thought I had my whole life together. I was extra safe when I was 18. I was like, I was just, I was, I was a lot. But there were some things I had to go through that when I was 22, yeah, I did a five-year plan. When I was 22, it propelled me to be able to move into the next phase of where I needed to go. Stir, rekindle. Some translations say stir up the gift. Because God has to give you a spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and sound judgment. But it has to get crushed. Like the olive, the, hum the humanity of Jesus. Just remember, yes, he, yes, he's the son of God, but he was still a man. He hurt like we hurt. He laughed like, he, like we laughed. He cried like we cried. Like he, had, he experienced the human experience. And in this moment, he knows, he knows what the mission is, but he's like, I don't want to leave. But that humanity, that flesh had to surrender so that the will of God could be revealed. So, I want to, so this is the big thing. God has called you to the garden to put you on a collision course with him so he can get the glory out of you. Say that again. God has called you to the garden. Oh, I love that. Let me tell you, to put you on a collision course. With him, so he can get the glory out of you. Okay, so real quick, what do you mean by glory? When people hear the word glory, they think of like somebody having a Baptist fit going, ah, all this stuff. Glory. And I'm preaching about this in a month, so I'm excited about it. So glory comes from the, from the Greek word doxa, meaning God's weight, God's approval. So glory, so glory is not just the act of something, it's God saying, hey, you are on the right track. You are doing, you are doing what you're supposed to do because what you're doing is, is, is turning people's eyes to me. Didn't say the process was going to be easy. God has put you and called you to the garden to put you on a collision course with him so he can get the glory out of you. So we're going to jump back. So you don't have to turn back here. But, you know, 26, 40, 41, 43, and 45, 46, the Matthew scripture we started with. He literally had to wake them up three times. Think about it like this. You, you know you about to die, right? You know, your friend, your, your bestie, one of, the, one of your 12 besties, just said, nah, bump it, the money's better. Cash rules everything, everything around me. So I'm going to go handle this. You, and Jesus knows what's about to happen. Because as much as we give so much grief to Judas, Jesus fulfilled his creative purpose. His, he was created to betray Jesus to, to move everything forward. So your friend is about to go to the police so for you to die. So you pick your, your inner circle three, Peter, James, and John, the sons of Zebedee. James and John were the sons. And you're like, hey, 
Y'all stay here, keep watch while I go over here and I, got, I talk to my daddy, right? Again, I'm about to die. Do you think Jesus was happy? People think like Jesus, like, oh, are you? He's like, get up. Why y'all sleep? Here's the reality of the situation. When you get comfortable, you get complacent, you, you relax, you chill. What happens is that as things begin to move, we're off our post, we're off our spot. Literally, their job was to guard Jesus. Their job was to literally just make sure he does not die. <laughs> but instead, they were so tired, they fell asleep. I'm going to behave myself. But what do you mean by falling asleep at your post? We ignore the call to prayer. And we also let our purpose and relationship with God lay dormant. Okay, so, why, so, so what, do you, what do you mean about the call, of, call to prayer? Prayer is conversation with God. Prayer, like, you know, I remember being a kid, and, like, you know, people would be, like, praying all, rah, 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 and, like, like, oh, God, our Father, sounded like a whole King James Bible. And I looked at my mom, like, why do people pray like that? And, like, they pray like that so they can feel good about themselves. I'm like, Mom. She's like, cast. Yes. But it's the reality of it. But it's the truth. So, when, so, prayer is conversation. It's simple. You can't have a relationship with somebody if you don't talk to them. Right? And prayer is not just you airing your grievances and then walking away. When you pray, you have conversation with him, and then you let him respond. Because in the response, it gives us direction on our everyday life. In that response, it, it speaks to what our soul needs. People, God don't hear me. He hears you when you pray, but are you listening to him? That's the direction. And when we have those, and as we have those conversations, our purpose begins to rise, our purpose begins to rise up. Because you're learning the voice of the Father through prayer. And because you know that voice, you know when he's calling you to move forward or to stay. Why, why, am, I become, why am I going so deep on this, Lord? You have purpose. You have something to offer. You have, a, you have a call. There's something that God has created you to do. And it's beyond the technical or, or the vocational. Even though your spiritual call, your call that God gives you, and your natural occupation tend to mesh. Like, what do you mean by that, Cass? Literally, my job is to literally sit in my office. Except when I have to teach pathways. My job is literally to sit in my office. Provide counsel, provide direction, provide support, and if I need to, bonk people on the head. But it's not my job because, but I'm not the punisher. I'm the one that's going, do you really want to do that? In my role as a bishop, it's my job to go to where I need to go, help them build, help them grow, help them ministrate, and if necessary, bonk them on the head. But not in a way of like, but hey, you need to get this together. We need to fix this. 
But both sides of those roles deal with what? People. Both sides of those roles deal with equipping and building people up so that way they are able to fulfill whatever their purpose to do. It doesn't matter. And here's the thing. And with this job, I love it because the natural and the spiritual tend to overlap. But when I was brought to this space, I enjoyed I, I miss teaching English. I enjoyed it. And even in the Christmas break, I'm going to be completely honest with you. God and I were having a good old argument. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. Everybody was mistreating me. And God was like, I'm not done with you. I'm not like, you still need to be here. But I don't understand. I could be making a six figures in the, cor in the corporate sector. No, I need you to stay here. Because what I've equipped you to do in the spiritual is not done in the natural. Notice I didn't say, God, I'm out and just walk away and do what I wanted to do. I have to wait and listen. And understand that his direction was propelling my purpose. But here's the thing. Com being comfortable is dangerous. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Don't fall asleep out on your post. Wake up. Be alert and sober-minded. God has not given us spirit of fear, but what? Love, power, and sound judgment. Be, wake up. Because when, because when you're asleep, you're missing you miss the dangers. You miss the temptations. When you get comfortable, you miss the dangers. You miss the temptations. Because, because first of all, all, all that glitters ain't gold. And, so, and sometimes you cannot, and sometimes you don't have to touch the oven to know it's hot. I'm telling, the reason, reason why I'm following saying this is because it's college. You're like, oh, I'm grown. I get to do what I want. Da, 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 da. You know, yeah, yeah, my parents can't stop me. But, but here's the thing. You, you might have walked on campus with this strong, connected relationship with God. But gradually, as you pull away, as you start doing what you want to do, you begin to pull away. And then all of a sudden, you over here. God ain't left. God right here. He's been here the entire time. And you're sitting here like, I, 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 and you all, all messed up, all discombobulated. Because you weren't aware. Because the devil tempts, but he, he can't force you. He, like, you're going to go out and have to, you going to go out and do this, this. He can't force you to do it. You, you yield to it. You're here. So God's, so God's here. You're here. And the beauty of repentance is that we're able to get back to here. And then you walk the journey out together. But this is what happens when you fall asleep. This is what happens when, when you stop connecting with God, when you stop getting into your word, when you stop having those times of prayer and praise and worship, when you, when you stop speak, speak, speaking of the things of God, when you feel like you have to hide your Christianity to make somebody else comfortable. This happens. Casting Crown had a song that says, it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. So in, this, so in this crushing, in this experience, in your Gethsemane, your humanity must yield to God's divinity. 
Luke 22, 44 says this, being in anguish, he prayed more fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. He's, he's having this conversation with, with God and his flesh and his spirit are fighting one another. I'm, I've been trying to figure out what, what does it take for you to sweat blood? Like, what is the physical toll that you have to have on your body that you are praying so hard that you're exerting yourself so hard that you are sweating blood? How you popping, first of all, how are you popping all those blood vessels? He's, he's exerting himself because he doesn't want to do this. People just glossed over the story. Oh, he went, uh, he's, hey man, I'm gonna do it. He didn't want to do this. In this moment, he knew that at this point, once he comes down that mountain, he knew that Judas was gonna be like, hey, you know, you wanna know, I'm gonna show you who it is with a holy kiss. And then, um, then Peter's gonna go all um, super saying to cut somebody's ear off. Like he knew about the lashes. He knew about having to drag an entire cross while everybody else just had to carry a beam. He knew the whole process. His humanity, his flesh didn't want to do it, but his spirit had, the spirit's like, we got to do this, man. And that's the same battle. We're not sweating blood, but it's the same battle that we all have every single day. God, I want to do, I want to go over it. I don't want to do what you call me, tell me to do, God. I don't want to talk to that person. I can't stand them. They get on my nerves. I don't want to, and, and God, and your, but your spirit's like, oh no, we're doing this. We are doing this today. Your humanity, your flesh, your flesh has to come under subjection to the Holy Spirit. Your flesh has to die so that the Spirit of God can rise up inside of you. Then you got to accept it. So Mark 14, 36 and Matthew 26, 39 pretty much say the same thing. We'll read the Mark one. Actually, I want you to see it. Go to Mark 14, 36. And I'm actually almost done. <laughs> Y'all <are> like, what? <laughs> yep, Mark 14, 36. And he said, 14:36, y'all. And he said, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. All things are possible for you. You can, you can do this, you know. Just I take take the cup from me. Just 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 be like, no, nah, you good, stay down there. But ultimately, it's your decision. The word cup comes from the Greek word poterion. And this cup is not talking about a vessel. The, the word proterion means divine appointment. So he's not saying, take this physical cup from me. He's saying, take this assignment away from me. Take this task. This is this, take this moment. I don't want to be here, but it's your decision. I will follow your will. Jesus knew that the stakes were high. Jesus knew that the stakes were high because he wasn't just sacrificing. He was the, the, the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice. 
He knew the stakes were high because literally the fate of the world was on him. He knew it. Like, how did he know? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He already knew what the story was. The stakes were that high. But here's the thing about crushing and pressing, pressing in a spiritual sense involves accepting what God has designed, purposed, and destined for you to do. Accepting what God has designed, purposed, and destined for you to do. I'm not going to put your business out on the street, but I'm going to say it like this. A lot of the reason why two or three of you are dealing with a battle within yourself is because you know what God told you to do. You ain't, new, you ain't new to this. You're true to this. You know what God told you to do. God's spoken to you in visions and dreams. He sent people in your way, random people like, well, you know, you should. God's told you what you need to do. He's given you the natural innate ability to do what you need to do. But yet you're fighting with what you, you're fighting with the decision because you're afraid of not having enough. I've been at that crossroads. I started out as a music education and language arts education double major. Pretty much I was like, I will not have a life for four years. But you know what stopped me from being a music teacher? Piano. I could not play piano to save my life. So I'm sitting there and you know, I'm walking to my dorm. I had like a 10 minute walk. So I was walking to my dorm and I was praying. And I'm like, God, what do I do? What do I do? And the answer was, if you pick one, I will honor the other. Okay. And I knew what the one was. It's the one I didn't want to do. English. I did not want to be, I, I didn't want it. I picked it for job security. I was like, I, I. But because I picked the right one and I followed his leading, it, it has opened doors for me to come back and do what I love. Let me put it to you like this. Before, before this school year started, I got a call from my old job saying, hey, Cass, listen, we need you to come back and restart our music program. You don't have to interview. Or if, you, as long as, if you say yes, the job is yours. I was about to say yes. But God was like, mm -mm, mm -mm, you're not done. I can't leave them high and dry five days before classes start. A few hours later, the choir director quits for here. Here we are. God has blessed me to be able to sing, to travel, to record, but also to write and publish, do all these things, because I had to yield to what he purposed, called, and destined for me to do. That might be helpful, it's helpful to somebody. But here's the thing, pride, pride, is this, pride hardens the heart, Complacency blocks movement, 
and our flesh denies what God desires. And crushing prepares you for the greater work that God has for you. Don't let the greater work come before the process. Don't let the greater work come before the process. Because the process is necessary for you to steward what God has given, what God is giving for you to do. For some, for some people, it might be this big, massive thing, but for other people, it might be to be the best parent you can be, to be the best business person that you can be, you know, to be the best counselor you can be, like, you know, to invent this thing. But the thing is, your character, your heart, your actions are the things that can delay the promise. I've told a lot of people this in four years. The dream's ready for you, but you ain't ready for it. You have to have the process. Those three and a half years were necessary to prepare Jesus for what he had to do next. These two, three years, what have you. Some of y'all four, if you do the, do the bachelor's degree program, it was, it was up and running in time. Yes, they're preparing you for your career. But all the other stuff, the relationships, the ending of relationships, the rumors, the foolishness, the mess, dealing with people who got bad attitudes, dealing with, dealing with people who are literally trying to say, like all those things are preparing you for the spiritual work that you have to prepare for next. next. Because remember, suffering is necessary for advancement. It's necessary. So we're going to end here. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. Second Corinthians 4. And for the second time, we're going to jump. Now I encourage you to read. So the whole passage is verses 7 through 18. I encourage you on your own time to read it. But we're going to go read the beginning, then jump to the end. So starting at verse 7. Now we have this treasure in clay jars, so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned. We are struck down but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. Jump to verse 16. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Remember, God has called you to the garden to put you on a collision course with him so he can get the glory out of you. 
My question is simple. Is this, is this season in your life? Is your time here on this co college, is this your Gethsemane? Is this the place where you surrender your plans, what you want, to what God desires for you? Is this the place where you are being forced to, to become the fullness of who you are, understanding what you might have to lose along the way? Is this the place where the old you has to die? And the new you, the new, the, the complete you, has to rise up. Is this the place where you re-encounter God? Or better yet, you encounter who he is for yourself for the first time. Is this the place that will propel you to your next, to your destiny, to your next? You've gone through the stuff that you've gone through, not by happenstance, it's, pre it's preparing you. It's preparing you for what God has promised you. Wow. It's preparing you for what God has promised you. Let's, let's pray. God, you have brought us together. God, you brought who needed to be in this room. And I know this is not the most happy-go-lucky message. But it's necessary. Because you're calling us to something bigger than ourselves. So, Lord, teach us how to handle the suffering. Teach us how to handle the crushing. So that way we are able to give, to, be, to glorify you in everything we say, everything we do, everything that we think. God, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice. And, Lord, I pray that you speak to them directly. You give them clarity in what you've called for them to do. And as you give the clarity, you bring healing. As you bring healing, you, you bring hope. And you bring direction. Because you have brought them to the garden. You've brought them to this place. You've brought them to this place. So that way, when they leave this place, the world will see you. God, minister to their hearts, minister to their minds and to their spirits. Because we know that you're preparing them for something greater, for a greater glory that will be revealed. In Jesus' name, amen.